This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. وَقَالُوا كُونُوا هُدًا أَوْ نَصَارَى تَهْتَدُوا قُلْ بَلْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَاحْلُلْ عُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي فَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَالصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ ثُمَّ أَمَّا بَعْدُ Once again everyone assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh We are going to now transition into this passage of 6 ayat that goes from the, the remarkable history of Ibrahim salam to the current state of affairs of the Jewish primarily and by extension the Christian community of Medina and how, they, how far they've come from that original legacy and how off they are when they make their claims. Now that the actual history has been explained in a passage in a very succinct way, Allah says, and look at the audacity, They have the audacity to say, and they said, be Jewish or Christian, you will be considered committed to guidance. This is actually called, tahtadu is meaning a, missing a noon, tahtaduna. And this is called jawabul amr, yadullu ala al-ikhtisas. This is actually response to be Jewish, Christian, and if you become Jewish and Christian, then and only then, you will be considered guided. So they made another claim to exclusivity. This is actually echoing something that has come before, which was the the claim Nobody's going into Jannah except whoever has been Jewish or Christian. Now Allah is going, taking that even further and saying, they said, if you're going to be committed to guidance, then you have to be Jewish or Christian. قُلْ Respond to them. بَلْ مِلَّةَ Ibrahim. Instead, the, the religion, the legacy, the following of Ibrahim. The word مِلَّةَ Ibrahim is mansub. There's a fatha on it. مِلَّةَ Ibrahim. That leads our ulama to discuss that there's a verb behind it that's missing or that's invisible. So, بَلْ نَتَّبِعُوا مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمِ بَلْ نُطِيعُوا مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمِ Or they say, نَكُونُوا مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمِ We will be the religion of Ibrahim. We will follow the religion of Ibrahim. I argue that uh, I personally, in my own studies of Arabic, am more inclined to not go to the concept of hadf. Hadf actually means that there's a verb missing and you have to imagine what it is, right? Hamiduddin Farahi rahimahullah among others were of the view that you avoid hadf as much as possible. Like let the language speak for itself what Allah is saying you look at the obvious and you know extrapolate. One of the advantages of the nasb form millatta the, the the haraka at the end is called an nasbu ala al-ighra. And what that does is it's kind of the equivalent in English of double or triple exclamation marks. Like if I were to say uh, you know about the word millatta Ibrahim in translation, I would say, the religion of Ibrahim. Like it's not a normal thing to say. They say, be Jewish and Christian, you'll be committed to guidance. Tell them, instead, actually, the religion of Ibrahim. Like this is not normal speech. And the lack of it being normal is from Millata. And then the word Hanifan, Hanaf actually in Arabic, يَمِيلُ فِي مَشِيهِ عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ الْمُعْتَادِ وَذَلِكَ مَدْحٌ Hanaf actually means when you divert from the road, everybody else takes. Hanaf in Arabic, there are two words, Janaf and Hanaf. Janaf means to be, to be biased, or to, to lean, and Hanaf means to lean. Except Janaf means when you are biased towards what you want, and what everybody else wants. 
Hanaf means when you deviate away from what everybody wants and you deviate away from everybody else's path. And this is a description of Ibrahim a.s. Hanifan, he walked away from the path that all the pressure was on him to stay on that path. He deviates away from it and he finds the way to Allah This is Hanifan. So he, and this is a, a hal of Ibrahim as if, and that's the other thing about, you know, the, the grammar of the Arabic language. You can, you can look up the meaning of the word Hanif in the dictionary, it's fine. And you could say that this is a description of Ibrahim a.s. Technically, it's not a de- description of Ibrahim a.s. Why? Because it's not Al-Hanif. If it was an adjective of Ibrahim, it would have been Millata Ibrahim Al-Hanifi. That's how it would have been. It's Hanifan, which makes it Hal. Question is then it's hal of what? It's actually hal of the religion. Now, what does that mean in English? What it means in English is this religion has the living power to die, deviate you away from every everybody else's way. Society is going this way, and when you follow the religion of Ibrahim, to this day it will empower you to walk away from social pressure and do what do what he did. To to follow the right thing regardless of what people say. This is the the you the nasib of the word Hanif and it's so beautiful and so powerful. That's what a hal is. A hal is an active state. You know, like for example, if I say a wise man, that's an adjective. That's not an active state. A wise man he's sleeping, he's not wise right now, he just possesses the quality of wisdom. Even if it's not being acted out right now. But if I say a man being wise, that's hal. Hal means he's actually executing that wisdom. It's manifest. It's living. Hanif, one turning away, it's not described as an adjective, like the religion has the power to turn you away that way. No, 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 not the potential. Not something dormant living inside it. Rather, the religion is actively, the religion of Ibrahim salam and the smilla is actively turning you away from the pressures of society and turning to you towards Allah. It's making you, you know, solely focused on Allah. It's so beautiful. That's actually the, at the heart of what Tawheed is. Tawheed is not just we don't worship idols. Because idols are made of stone and rock and marble, whatever they're made of. There are other idols. The other idols are societal pressure. The other idols are fake standards. The other that people literally worship, they can't, they submit themselves to them and they can't snap out of them. The other idols are consumerism. I have to have the newest phone. I have to watch this movie. I have to download this game. I have to. I have to finish all seven episodes or whatever, or seasons of whatever. If I don't, then I'm missing something. And then you literally feel like a force making you submit. Right? And you have to break free from that pressure. Because I don't want to be the only one at the office or among my friends or among my peers who missed that episode, who didn't watch that show, who hasn't heard that song, who didn't get that outfit or whatever. You know? That's, and these become idols. These literally become like, nothing can get in its way. This is it. And Hanif also, Hanaf actually comes in the meaning of Tarkiz also. You're focused on something. And so when, the, when you get to the last words here, And he wasn't from those who did shirk. We think of everybody else in his village worshipped idols. He broke all the idols. Those aren't the only idols he broke. Those are not the only idols he broke. He broke the idol of even the the, the love of his own son. He broke the idol of the love of his own body when he was throwing itself into the fire. He broke a lot of idols. He was not from those who committed shirk. The Jews and Christians are being told, having a label does not make you from the people of Ibrahim. 
I would by extension say, just because you call yourself Muslim doesn't mean that you get to enjoy Millat Abikum Ibrahim. This is something else. It's a living thing. It's an experiential thing. It's Hanifan and he was not of those who committed shirk at all whatsoever. On another occasion, inshallah, when we get there, I will describe to you that when Ibrahim salam went on that spiritual journey, that is described as a spiritual journey, when he saw the sun, when he saw the star, the, the, the moon, and things like that, that actually he didn't believe any of that. He, he didn't. And it's evident from the language, and it's also evident from the context. In the context, he says about the sun, this must be God. هذا ربي, هذا أكبر. This is bigger. And when the sun sets, he says, لا أحب الآفلين, I don't love those that settle. Did he not know that the sun will set? One of the smartest men that ever lived doesn't know that the sun is going to set. He knows. He's making a point. He's demonstrating the silliness of these beliefs to the people around him. He's not actually believing any of them. So, don't, so Allah is saying, he was never a mushrik. Ma kana min al-mushrikeen. Ma is actually raft. No, you're wrong. He never was. He never worshipped idols. He never declared those things, that, you know, uh, his gods. So that's a little bit about uh, that beginning part. Now the other thing is, I'd like you to understand the use of the word qul here. Qalu kunu hudanam nasaratatadu. Qul bal millata Ibrahim hanifan. Qul is singular referring to the Rasul of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And why that's important is because this passage is going to switch between qul and qulu, qul and qulu, qul and qulu. Qul means you, Rasulullah you should say. And then the ummah will be told, all of you should say, meaning the Muslims, you should say. There's a difference. In, this, in the previous passage, the core idea that has been like fortified is that this is the religion of Ibrahim. And now the idea that will be fortified is the actual ambassador of the religion of Ibrahim is Rasulullah wasallam. Who better to say, no, actually the religion of Ibrahim than Rasulullah wasallam? He's the heir of that legacy. He's the actual heir of that legacy. So Allah makes him say, قُلْ بَالْمِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ No, no, my father's religion. Not Judaism or Christianity. That doesn't even make sense. وَمَا أُنزِلَتِ التَّوْرَاتُ وَالْإِنْجِيلُ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ Ali Imran will say, Torah and Injil didn't even come much until much later. How are you supposed to think that the religion of Ibrahim is Judaism or Christianity? The religion of Ibrahim is Islam. That's the religion of my father, Ibrahim. So, بَلْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Of course also, in saying so, because the conversation is not with uh, Mushrikun of Makkah, it's with the Jews and the Christians. They're being told what you're doing right now is shirk. How are they doing shirk? Even a lot of Christians still believed in one God. A lot of Jews believe in one God. How are they doing shirk? I thought shirk is to worship multiple gods. In this passage, their shirk is their pride. They put their pride greater than their submission to Allah's deen. The only reason they're not coming to Islam is their pride won't let them. Their stubbornness won't let them. So there's an idol in front of them that they worship instead of Allah. What is that idol? Their pride, their stubbornness, and that's shirk. So he says, He wasn't from the mushrikeen. Then he turns to this ummah, all of us. And he says, now you all as a nation speak. And that's beautiful. First, imagine the scene. There's this community, us, and there's our leader, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Allah tells him, you, you talk. Then he talks, and then he turns to all of us and says, now you speak. 
Now why is that important? Because it's as though Allah teaches us how to take responsibility. The Messenger will not always speak on your behalf. You must speak out too. You must become ambassadors of this faith now. The mantle is being passed even from the word قُلْ تَقُولُوا And that's what's happening here. قُولُوا آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ Tell them, we believe in Allah. Declare, invite. قُولُوا is, is broad. It's not just say. It's declare, invite, announce. We've come to believe in Allah. وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا And whatever has been revealed to us. This is beautiful. Because in these, in these ayat, there's belief in Allah, immediately belief in revelation. Which means to us now, it is clear that believing in God is no longer possible without believing in revelation. And we'll start with the revelation that was given to us. But just because we were given a revelation, we're not going to deny what came before. وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبَ وَالْأَسْبَاطِ And we also believe in, in kind in what was sent to Ibrahim and Ismail and Ishaq and Yaqub, which, whose other name is Israel. وَالْأَسْبَاط What's Asbat? الْأَسْبَاطُ عِنْدَ الْيَهُودِ كَالْقَبَائِلْ عِنْدَ الْعَرَبِ Asbat is the term for tribes, many, many families. Sabt also means hair, meaning as many as hair on a head, as many children. Right? So, and branches of a tree can also be called sabt. So, how many that came after, meaning the countless prophets that came after, or the countless generations that followed the right religion thereafter. Meaning, you guys also have a guided history. You weren't always misguided. You followed Islam too, and we believe in all of it. قُولُوا أَمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَإِسْمَعِيلُ وَإِسْحَاقُ وَيَعْقُوبُ الْأَسْبَاطِ وَمَا أُوْتِيَ مُوسَى And especially what was given to Musa, singled out. Because he's included in the Asbat. But he's pulled out of the Asbat and then mentioned in particular. Especially the great milestone in your legacy, what was given to Musa. وَعِيسَى And then the beginning of that legacy, Torah, and the culmination of the Torah, which is the Injil, وَعِيسَى so the beginning and end of the, the law of the Israelites. Right? Musa too, Isa. We believe in that too. وَمَا أُوتِيَ النَّبِيُّونَ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ And it's not just the legacy of the Israelites. We believe in what was given to all prophets from their master, meaning the prophets of the Arabs too, like Shu'aib or Salih, or pre-Israel, like Nuh salam, or you know, Idris a.s. etc. So you have this broad statement being made now about our belief in all prophets. The thing that I'd like to highlight here is the reverse argument. You people say, بَلْ نُؤْمِنُوا بِمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْنَا You people say, no, 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 no thanks, we don't need to believe in your Qur'an, we already have our book. We're gonna say, our belief in Allah makes us submit to the revelation that Allah gave us, but we will not deny that revelation was given before. We're not exclusivists like that. We're gonna say those, those were revelations also. Of, of the prophets we know, and even the ones we don't know. وَالنَّبِيُّونَ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ We will not make a distinction between any one of them. This is actually them saying that actually, if you were truly in submission, you would have regard for every revelation of Allah, not just the one that was given exclusively to you. Like we believe in the revelation given to Lut alayhi salam. We believe, we, it wasn't given to us, but we believe in it. We believe in the revelation given to Nuh alayhi salam. That's not to us, but we believe in it. We have iman in it. We will not be, we will not be selective, because that's a lack of submission. Because when you submit before your master, whatever your master says, you follow. And whoever he says it to, you still believe it's from your master. You people are not submitting to the word of Allah, which means you're not actually in submission. Here he says, we don't make a separation between any one of them. Some people are confused about this ayah because they believe the ayah is saying 
that how, how can you not separate between prophets? Some were better than others. Allah even says, isn't the Prophet of Allah the greatest of messengers? He led all the other ones in prayer. He has certain qualities that the others didn't have. And this preference is, even though Quran says, تِلْكَ الرُّسُلُ فَضَّلَّا بَعْضَهُمْ عَلَى These messengers, we gave some preference over others. So how can the Quran say we don't make a distinction between any one of them? Who's speaking here? We are. When Allah says He gave preference, who, who's giving preference? Allah is. And here are we, is, 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 is it Allah or us? It's us. It's a big difference. When Allah speaks, when the Rabb speaks and the Abd speaks, is a big difference. Plus, this has nothing to do with preference. This has to do with, it's not tafdeel, it's tafriq. Tafriq means, we don't separate them. Not we don't rank them, we don't separate them. In other words, we don't say, these messengers, these, nah. We don't do that. We don't, we're not selective about who we accept or not accept as valid messengers of Allah. That's the meaning of, لا نفرقو بين أحد منهم. We don't cause a separation between anyone from among them, regardless of their lineage. Look, Ismail is mentioned in that line, Ishaq is mentioned, Yaqub is mentioned. Just because you're hating on the Arab messengers, we're not going to react and hate on the Israelite messengers. Nope. They're all messengers to us, honored before us. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ And to him alone, we are in fact in submission, which is kind of a jab that you're not being in submission. The religion of Ibrahim is to be in submission. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ By the way, the words نَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ are an echo. They have been repeated now. Who said it before them? This نَعْبُدُ إِلَهَكَ وَإِلَهَ أَبَائِكَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَإِسْمَعِيلُ وَإِسْحَاقِ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ This is the second time those words are occurring. It's so amazing the use of these words. The first time they were used were by the sons of Israel. They said, we are Muslim only before Allah. And now they're being used by the Muslims of Medina. We are Muslims only before Allah. Meaning the Jews are being told, we are closer to the original sons of Israel than you are. We are more loyal to your ancestry than you are. We're repeating their words, you're not. Subhanallah. The way the argument is made, the way like what they held on to so tight, their ancestry has been ripped out of their hands and handed over to the Muslims. Because you're also in submission, they were in submission. So this, this, the way Allah Azza wa takes ethnic pride away is something amazing, you know, and replaces it with pride in faith. So now the idea of, of shared faith, that's also important. We believe in what was sent to us and what was sent to all those, but there seems to be a contradiction in what was given to us and what was given to those. And through it the argument is made, there is no contradiction. It was always the same message. It was always the same core Abrahamic faith. These changes were brought by you. Not by those prophets. Don't, don't accuse those prophets of bringing anything different. And so our Quran is the muhaymin, meaning the guardian over the original teachings given to all of them. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ فَإِنْ آمَنُوا بِمِثْلِ مَا آمَنْتُمْ بِهِ This was quite an interesting debate in our history. If they were to believe exactly in the likes of what you believe. Now listen to the translation carefully. If they believe not if they believe what you believe. فَإِنْ آمَنُوا بِمَا آمَنْتُمْ بِهِ If they believe what you believe. If they believe like what you believe. The, the like created a problem. We're like, so are you saying they don't have to exactly believe what we believe? They can be kind of like it? And that's good enough? Why is the word mithil there? If you take the word mithil out, they have to believe exactly what you believe. I actually argue that the word mithil here, and some as a result of this confusion said, oh mithil here in the Qur'an is extra. 
it's uh, not intended. It's kind of a rhetorically stated, but it doesn't really, don't dive too deep into it, it's okay. I, I argue Allah knows how to speak much better than human beings. And when he wants to say mithil, he will say mithil. And there's no extra in Quran. Like if he says it, he means it. And we're gonna, we're gonna interpret the Quran with the idea, the notion, kalimatullahi al-ulya. The word of Allah rests in the supreme position. We cannot impose on it what is extra or beneficial or not beneficial. Because everything Allah says is beneficial. So here's how I like to look at the use of mithil in this ayah. If they believe, mithil can also mean equivalent or exactly like something. If they believe exactly like what you've believed. The thing is, let me give you a scenario. Somebody believes in the Bible. And they believe in Torah. And they say, Quran is also revelation. Quran is also revelation. I accept. I'm not accepting Islam, but I believe your book too. I think it's from God too. Is it true that while they will believe in our book, they won't let go of some of the deviations and corruptions that are still in their book? Like they don't see our book necessarily as a correction of their book. They don't see that. They just see they can coexist. And it's okay, I'll take from your book, but I'll take from my book too. And will they still hold on to certain very corrupt ideas from their book? Yeah. So it's possible for someone to believe in Torah and Injil and Quran and be still very wrong. And say, yeah, they're all right. And, and if, they, if they don't reconcile with each other, it's okay, what's the big deal? And that ha- there are people like that. I've met people like that. Allah is saying, nope, not only should they accept this book, they should believe exactly like you do. They need to believe exactly. Because if they believe like you do, they're going to have to let go of some of those corruptions and deviations. They can't just add this on and keep what they had. This is We've already abrogated, cancelled out previous revelations. And whatever good of it was there, we maintained it already in Qur'an. You believing Qur'an is you believing the purest parts of Torah and Injil anyway. So whatever was good or worth keeping of Torah and Injil, of what is left, is already in Qur'an. And so they'll have to believe exactly like you believe. That's the word mithil here. And if they are to do that, فَقَدِهْتَدَوْ then, in fact, they have committed themselves to guidance. This is Allah sharply responding to what they said. What did they say? Be Jew or Christian, you'll be, you'll be guided. Allah said, no, unless they believe exactly like you do, they, and only then, then and only then will they be considered committed to guidance. فَإِن And if they were to turn away, فَإِنَّمَا هُمْ فِي شِقَاقٍ then the only thing that can be said about them, the only reason they're still the way they are, is because they are a broken up, a cracked away faction. Shiqaq. Shaq in Arabic is a tear. This is ironic language in the Qur'an. They were arguing the Muslims are a tear from original revelation. The Muslims are a new faction, a new deviation, a new cult. Allah says actually, if they don't come to you, they're the cult. They're the outlier. They're the ones tearing away from the truth. He changes the standard. Like the newcomer is the standard and the old guard is actually the outlier. That's what he does in this ayah. فَإِنَّمَا هُمْ فِي شِقَاقِ شِقَاق in Arabic also uh, uh, means extreme divergence. Extreme like fringes. Like they're extremists. And they are immersed in extremism. And their extremism once again is their pride. Now there are two scenarios. If they believe, just like you do, then they're committed to guidance. If they don't, then the reason for which they're not is they are uh, uh, stubborn 
and they have torn themselves away from the truth. When he says all of this, he makes one last concluding statement. Allah. Allah is enough for you against them. Allah is enough for you against them. What does that mean? That means some of them will believe, some of them will remain stubborn, not your problem. Don't, you don't worry about that. Therefore, now that I've given you that, some of them will come, some of them will, won't come. You don't have to concern yourself with what conspiracies they're making and how they're trying to undermine your religion and all of it. You don't have to do that. لَا يَغُرَّنَّكَ تَقَلُّبُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فِي الْبِلَادِ The disbelievers and them running around making their schemes shouldn't bother you. Don't, don't let that get to you. You, you. you do what you gotta do. Don't worry about that. Like in the beginning, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ I've already given you kawthar. Why are you worried about your shani? Inna shani Who cares about him? He's gonna be, t- I'll take care of him. I'll take care of him. You know? Similarly here, فَسَيَكْفِيكَهُمُ اللَّهِ By the way, when Allah says, Allah is enough for you to deal with them. Doesn't that make them like the enemy? Like, I'll deal with them myself? So this is kind of like this nth degree of warning to the Israelites that now Allah is talking to His Messenger and letting him know, I won't let you be bothered by them. I'll take care of them if they get in your way. وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ And he is the ultimately hearing, all-knowing and all-wise. Here, uh, the other interesting comment that some have made is, don't worry about their numbers. Because they were actually in Medina, they were still the majority. Muslims were not the majority. Muslims were the authority, but not the majority. And don't you worry about their numbers. Allah will give you and Allah is enough for you. And Allah hears everything, knows everything. Then is the ayah that like, subhanAllah, this ayah, is a subject of a lot of interesting conversation because of how it begins. Allah Translated the dye, or the color, dye is in D-Y-E, right? Dye or color or, or, or tint of Allah. Color of Allah. What in the world does that mean? And it's also mansub, so it's like exclamatory, like it's the dye of Allah, Allah's dye. This is two things at the same time. We saw before, this, the last exclamation was, Millata Ibrahim. The religion of Abraham. And this is actually an explanation of the religion of Abraham in the same grammatical tone. Sibghat Allah. Yani millata Ibrahim, or millatu Ibrahim, hiya sibghat Allah. They're explaining each other. The religion of Ibrahim is the color, the dye of Allah. In other words, someone has immersed themselves in color. They've dipped themselves in ink. They've dipped themselves in water. And they're completely drenched and wet. And that actually is the notion on the second hand of a baptism. For the Christian and Jewish people, washing, ritual washing, was a part of a major part of their religion. Kind of like we have wudu and ghusl, but much more than that. For them, for Christians, for example, to begin their new Christian life, right? The child comes into the world, they're baptized, they're, they're dipped in water and things like that. It represents their, a new pure life. A Christian goes astray, goes into a life of sin, forgets about Jesus, all of that. They bring him back by doing what? A baptism. And they'll, they'll drench them. And this is them now being wholly submitted to their new faith. This is similar to certain Jewish practices. Allah is actually taking that imagery and saying, you know, this idea of baptism and a new start and all your sins are forgiven. And that's, if you want to have a baptism, have it not in the name of Jesus and not have it in the name of, the actual one is the religion of Ibrahim. That's the actual baptism. So he's changing the notion of baptism for them. Because for the, the idea of baptism was purification of all of your previous sins. And what is Islam when you accept it? It purifies all of your previous sins. So that that image is used to call on them, listen, what you had wasn't baptism, this is baptism. 
the religion of Ibrahim, that's your actual baptism, that's your actual purification from all previous sin. وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ مِنَ اللَّهِ سِبْغَةً And who could have better than, than who, who better than Allah to give a color? And what better color to adopt than the color of Allah? Color of Allah meaning the color Allah wants you to drench yourself in. By the way, when somebody is dipped in color, or dipped in ink, or dipped in dye, then their entire being is that color, isn't it? We're being told that your entire personality embodies your, the religion of Ibrahim It just oozes out of you. We are visibly Muslim when we're praying. We are, the ayah is arguing we're visibly Muslim when we're doing business. When, the way we're walking. The way we're dealing with customers. The way we are a customer. The way we're driving. The, we're, we're constantly in this color. It's distinct from everyone else around us. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ عَابِدُونَ And we in fact are the ones in worship only and only to Him. And now the idea has been mentioned that, you know, we have, since we've adopted the religion of Ibrahim nothing else concerns us. The only thing that matters to us is worship to Allah Azawajal. This is a, a kind of a jab at the Christian and Jewish peoples of Medina in that the, the Jewish people were now so much more concerned with their status than they were with the worship of Allah. And the Christian people, of course, out of, out of ignorance, had taken other than Allah to worship. And so both of them are being talked about, if you really want to be baptized, then your relationship is pure and pure entirely to Allah Azza wa This idea of this being tied to baptism uh, is actually uh, mentioned in some tafasir also. وَإِن كَانَ إِيمَانُكُمْ حَاصِلًا بِسِبْغَةِ الْقِسِيسِ فَإِيمَانُنَا بِسِبْغَةِ اللَّهِ if your iman comes when the, the, the church, uh, you know, and the priest baptizes you, our iman comes when we, we are baptized by the color of Allah itself, our submission to Allah itself. So there's a parallel drawn between those two rituals. Um, my favorite ayah in all of this passage is this one. Now notice, before it was qulu. Qulu. And now we come back to qul. Qul atuhajunana. Who speaks when the qul is said? Not the entire ummah only. The leader speaks, the Prophet speaks, Say, Are you actually going to debate us about Allah? But they didn't debate about Allah. They debated about Torah and Quran. They debated about Injil and Quran. They debated about Isa salam. They didn't debate about Allah. And Allah, you know previously he said, we believe in Allah and therefore we believe in what was sent down before to us. Meaning believing in Allah and believing in revelation has been made inseparable. When they argue about revelation, who are they actually arguing about? Allah. You are in that sense no different than the idol worshippers of Mecca, who argued about Allah. And now you're arguing about His revelations, which is still arguing about Allah. They argued about worship to Allah, you're arguing about authority of Allah. Because He revealed His authority and you're questioning it. It's still an argument about Allah. I love that the Prophet is singled out here. And the verb that's used here, because... In it, there's a very, it's just it's beauty beyond words, wallahi. Like, I keep, I can't say this enough times, the religion of Ibrahim, the religion of Ibrahim, the religion of Ibrahim. And how the Prophet ﷺ is the heir, the, act, the final heir to that religion, and he's the actual representative of the original teachings of Ibrahim ﷺ. That's what our Islam is. Notice other places in the Quran, this is about Ibrahim, not about our messenger. وَحَاجَّهُ قَوْمُهُ his, his, his nation argued with him. قَالَ He responded, أَتُحَاجُونِّي فِي اللَّهِ وَقَدْ هَدَانِي Are you going to debate me about Allah and He has already guided me? 
So who said, are you going to argue with me about Allah? Ibrahim alayhi salam. And now who's saying, are you arguing with me about Allah? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is echoing, reverberating the words exactly of his father from thousands of years ago of Ibrahim alayhi salam. This is the Qur'an's stylistic way of saying he represents his father's legacy. That's why Qul is there in the beginning, you see. You say, just like your father said, أَتُحَاجُونَنَا فِي اللَّهِ and you're, you're having a debate with people who claim to be with Ibrahim while they're doing exactly what the, the enemies of Ibrahim had done. Ibrahim was talking to idol worshippers. You're going to argue with me about Allah? And now Rasulullah ironically, is speaking to the Jews and Christians who claim Ibrahim and say, you're going to argue with me about Allah? He's our master and yours. There's, and Which is why... This is actually part of the argument Ibn Ashur makes. It's so simple. Sometimes the simplest things are so beautiful. He's our Rabb and yours. So why do you think that he would send you revelation and not to us? Why is he favoring you over us? And then the second argument is, If you were favored due to your deeds, why can't we be favored due to our deeds? Because ethnicity has been taken out of the question. So it's really about deeds. If you have yours, why can't we have ours? Why can't ours benefit us? And by the way, we are the ones that are truly sincere to Him, sincere in the sense that we didn't reject your revelation because it hurt our pride. We accepted all the previous revelations. You're the ones being insincere and not accepting our revelation. That's one way of looking at it. Another beautiful way of looking at this that I find, uh, there's, a, there's a universal lesson in here for us is the, the ayat, when they began with drenching yourself in the color of Allah. Allah mentioned, نَحْنُ لَهُ عَابِدُونَ And when the ayah mentioned argument, the ayah ended, نَحْنُ لَهُ مُخْلِسُونَ There's a difference. نَحْنُ لَهُ عَابِدُونَ نَحْنُ لَهُ مُخْلِسُونَ A abd, or a worshipper, is completely changed his identity as the master wants it. He's colored in the colors that the master wants. Abidun fits Sibghat Allah. Someone who argues, if you and I had an argument, even forget about Muslims and Jews having an argument, if Muslims had an argument among each other, if you were arguing with me, this hadith is authentic, this is not authentic, this is how you understand it, this is how you don't understand, we're having a discussion. And I counter some things you said. I refute certain things you said. Or you refute, rather make it more interesting, you refute certain things I said. Look, Officially, we're supposed to be having a discussion because we're trying to arrive at the truth. That's not how it works all the time though. When you're having a discussion and somebody's disagreeing with you and they completely dismantle and deconstruct your argument and prove you wrong, it hurts the pride. It hurts the ego. And when it hurts the ego, you want to counter and argue back and defend your position, not because it's true, but because you don't like losing. Because you saw this as a match now. Right? A debate or an argument should happen because both parties are interested in arriving at the truth. But a lot of times, debate happens because one party is interested in proving their point and the other is interested in proving their point. They want to bring a hujjah against each other, a case that cannot be refuted against one another. And of course, the, the losing party is going to feel defeated in terms of my defeat. Now, so they, they didn't come with loyalty to the truth so much as they came with loyalty to their pride, their, their, their love of winning, the argument. At the end of the day, sometimes we have debates or arguments about Islam with non-Muslims or even among ourselves. 
And without us realizing it, pride has entered into the equation. It's really important to mention whenever an argument or a debate is happening, that I'm not there to defend my notion, I'm there to present what I'm convinced of, and I'm open to being convinced otherwise. That is at the very core of what it means to be sincere. وَنَحْنُ لَهُ Because when you don't have that, and you enter into a debate, then there's no way you can keep your ego out of it. There's no way. And that's even, I would argue, before we even talk about this kind of humility, before we speak with people of other faiths, this is a problem within. This is a problem within. I'm going to go speak with someone. I'm, I'm deeply in disagreement with what they said. I'd like to talk to them about it. You've written this in your article. You've wrote, read this in your book. Or you said this in your speech. I, I have strong disagreement with you. Here's why I disagree. Well, here's why I said it. I see your point. Or I don't see your point. And we're going back and forth. But this is not about crushing me or crushing you. This is about arriving at truth. And maybe we won't arrive at a conclusion. That's okay too. Maybe it's okay, but if we are if we arrive at a conclusion for the wrong reasons, you know, that's and even if you lose the argument and in your heart there's I'm not gonna talk to that guy again. That was too embarrassing. The ikhlas is gone. So pointed. I we are we are in submission or we are in sincerity only before Allah. Am taquluna, and then then Allah points it out. Okay, fine. You have your way, we have ours. You have your God. Seems like you're stubborn and set in your ways. Fine. Now mahum fi shiqaq. They are stuck in their ways and they've torn themselves off. They want to be a cult. Allah says, before you go though, I'd like to ask a question. Am taquluna inna Ibrahima wa Ismaila wa Ishaqa wa Yaquba wa Lasbata? Are you actually saying? Are you actually implying? That Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, Yaqub, and all the tribes that came after, all the families that came after, were Jewish or Christian? Is that what you're... Because you're saying, be Jewish or Christian and you'll be guided. Isn't that what you said? Which would mean, in order to be guided, you have to be either Jewish or Christian. So are you saying Abraham was Jewish or Christian? Are you saying Ismail, Ishaq, Yaqub, and all those who followed way before the revelation of Torah? Or Injil, before the term Jewish or Christian? They were Jewish or Christian? Is that what you're saying? Is that the argument? Because historically that makes no sense whatsoever. And when you make that argument, then they will go around in circles and say, Yeah, they are. How? The Christian will come up with, Well actually, Abraham is a good man in the Bible, but he's not going to go to heaven. Acha? Abraham ain't going to heaven? Yeah, because he didn't go through Jesus. But Jesus came much later, so all the people before Jesus going to hell? Actually, no, they're, in, they're stuck in an elevator. And then Jesus is going to come, and He's going to say, Hey, want to believe me? And then they'll say, Yeah, and then they can go. But they can't go without that. It's like, where'd you get this from? Well, I got it from, because I really want the Jesus argument to win. Not because it's anywhere in the Revelation, not because it's... Now they can make claims about how Akhirah will work. Because they, they're shiqaq. They just can't let go of the idea. So they have to reconstruct their entire theology to make it fit. <laughs> but just can't look at the, the reality staring at them in the face. The Jewish faith. How is this the Jew? How is Ibrahim the Jew? Abraham was a Jew? How? Help me understand. Judea came much later. Israel came much later. He's pre all of that. So how is he? Well, in spirit, he's Jew. Really? 
So then all of his children should be. Because he had lots of kids. You know, it just, it stops, it start, the argument starts crumbling. قُلْ أَأَنْتُمْ أَعْلَمُ Tell them, are you more knowledgeable or God? Do you know more or Allah does? Why did Allah say that? Because they make stuff up about how Allah will do things to hold on to these ideas. Even though the conflicting history is staring at them in the face. Quran will say, وَمَا أُنْسِلَتِ التَّوْرَاتُ وَالْإِنْجِيلُ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ How can you? You know, how can you have any claim to Ibrahim? Torah and Injil came after him. He was a he was a man of Islam, and so now Allah says, then the truth comes out. Woman أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ كَتَمَ شَهَادَةً عِنْدَهُ مِنَ اللَّهِ Who could be worse than a person? Who could be more of a wrongdoer than someone who hides a testimony that he has in his possession, evidence that he has in his possession from Allah? In other words, your Torah is telling you otherwise, and you're still hiding it. Your Injil is telling you otherwise and you're still hiding it. There are verses of your Bible, there are verses of your Hebrew Bible that are acknowledging what the Qur'an is saying and are refuting what you're saying. Your own book is refuting you, but you hide those parts away. This is not just about the ayat of the Bible that are saying the Prophet is the Prophet Muhammad It's not about that. It's your own ideas are refuted in your own book and you deny those parts of your own book. Who could be more wrong than that? They just want to win the argument at all costs, you know? وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ And Allah is not at all unaware of what you're up to. Allah is, you may, you know, you may think that the Muslims are not, they don't know what you're doing. You're doing this with your books and no, they don't have any access to what you're hiding. They don't know Hebrew. They don't know your books. Allah says, I'm not unaware. Allah is not unaware of what, what it is that you're up to. And so the concluding ayah here, which we'll leave with, تِلْكَ أُمَّةٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ That is a nation long gone. It's so the first time this ayah is coming, a second time. It's the second time, isn't it? First time it came, now it's exactly the same ayah, not a change of a single word. That is a nation that is long gone, they earned what they earned. You'll have what you earned. You're not going to be asked about what they used to do. Why is this ayah repeating itself? You see, the ayat of the Qur'an, when they repeat themselves, they repeat themselves in a particular context. And that changes their flavor, the meaning. The impact. Ayat are not studied in isolation. If, if this ayah means what it means, it doesn't have to be repeated. Because then you say, just that's already said, chalo, aga chalo. There's no reason to study this. It came at a certain place. These are kinds of places in Quran where you kind of, you don't have a choice but to look at context. Look at these two passages side by side. One passage is Ibrahim's actual legacy. The reality of who Ibrahim was and what his history was. And at the end of that, learning that history, be proud of that history, but that pride shouldn't make you passive and say, I'm so proud of it, that'll save me. No, no, no. Be proud of that history and live by it. Live by it. And that's the only way you'll be able to answer Allah. Because He won't ask you, were you proud of that history or not? The next passage is delusions about that history. This passage is, be Jewish or Christian. Ibrahim was a Christian. Are you people saying that all these were Christians and Jews? What delu- Now that I've clarified history, how can you hold on to these delusions? And at the end of that, that clarifying all of these delusions and criticizing them for these like obnoxious claims, Allah is telling them, listen, Jew or Christian, labels, affiliations, that's not what gonna get you, what's going to get you into heaven. Even if you want to affiliate with those people, they made it to where they made it because of their actions. They earned what they earned, and they're gone. 
So you claiming anything about them, ownership of them, is not going to save you. Even if you, I let you have that. Even if I let you have that. You, what have you earned? لَكُمْ مَا كَسَبْتُمْ You're going to have what you're going to earn. You're not going to be asked about what they used to do. You're so hung up on who gets to claim them. You're forgetting that this discussion is actually about what you're going to do. It's not some interesting historical conversation. That's not all this is. So Allah brings the matter back to reality. And that's the beauty of Qur'an. It doesn't keep things in the academic realm, or the historical realm, or the theological realm. It brings it back to reality. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know? And this is something that I like to remind myself of and remind students of Qur'an of. Sometimes we study things in the Qur'an that are very subtle and like deep and philosophical even. And easily we lose sight of the fact that the goal of Qur'an is to make a transformation in yourself. The deep reflections in the Qur'an are profound because they make us more humble before Allah. And when you become more humble before Allah, you're a better slave. Even the profound insights into the Qur'an have a much simpler goal. So you enjoy your sajda more. That's all. You know the greatest thing you can do in the Qur'an is tadabbur. Right? The, 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 the deepest you can get with Qur'an is tadabbur, reflection, deep contemplation. And Allah says, what, what effect does tadabbur have? You would think tadabbur will make your mind broad. It will expand your understanding. He says, أَمْ عَلَى قُلُوبٍ أَقْفَالُهَا أَفَلَا تَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ أَمْ عَلَى قُلُوبٍ أَقْفَالُهَا Don't they ponder deeply on the Qur'an or are the hearts locked up? At the end of all that reflection, what should happen? The heart should melt. The heart is what should connect with Allah. And that's what the Israelites are essentially being told. Those nations are gone. What are you earning? You're not going to be asked about what they did. May Allah Azza wa Jal not make us like the Israelites. Not make us like those who forgot what they were actually given this responsibility for. I'd like to give you a structural overview of these ayat that we just covered. This is part two of that same passage that began with Ibrahim salam. So once again, there are two passages that are conjoined together. They're all about the legacy of Ibrahim salam. One was the actual history, and the second was the delusions about that history. That's how they're, they're um, uh, to be connected. Uh, this passage is also made up of seven parts. And the first interesting thing about it is the last ayah of the previous passage also constitutes the first ayah of this passage. So those seven parts are as follows. That nation is gone. They earned what they earned. That's the first thing that's been said. Those are gone. You're responsible for what you do. The second is the delusion. They said, be Jewish or Christian. You'll be considered guided. And Allah says, no. He corrects that. The third argument that's made here is we have we believe in the same prophets as you do. In addition to our own revelation, there's a list of all the prophets made. And yet they're still stubborn. And Allah will be enough. Right? So I'll summarize. The first thing was that the old nation is gone. The second is be Jewish or Christian. That's what they said. The third is we said we believe in the same prophets. Why are you people stubborn? Okay? Then you have the fourth, which would be the heart of this whole thing. We have adopted the color of Allah. Sibrat Allah. And we are actual worship to Him. We've immersed ourselves entirely and purified ourselves by entering into slavery to Allah. And that's at the center here. That's the fourth passage. Then of course there is, why are you arguing with us? He's our God and yours. We have our deeds and yours. We're the ones sincere to Him. Remember that? That's the fourth, meaning we have the same, we believe in the same God. And then finally, or two more, uh, the ancient prophets, were they Jewish or Christian? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, were they, were they Jewish or Christian? What are you talking about? It's criticizing them. And of course it ends with, that nation is long gone. 
right? So these seven parts that I ran through rather quickly, if you notice the first of them is that nation is long gone. And the last of them is also that nation is long gone. It's mir mirroring this, the exact ayat. The second subject was be Jewish and Christian and you will be guided. The second last subject is, are you saying the previous prophets were Jewish or Christian? So you see the mirroring that's happening here? The third subject was, we believe in the same prophets and yet you're stubborn. And then the third last subject is, we believe in the same God and yet you're stubborn. Why are you arguing with us? And the heart of it is, we have taken on the color of Allah. So there's this structural symmetry yet again in this passage. Passage after passage after passage repeats some kind of structure that goes back. And there's a linear kind of coherence, like all these seven are connected to each other in order also. And then when you look at them, there's this, there's this parallels that are there also. This structural analysis is important, I feel, uh, because inshallah when this is done in its completion, and there's a visual map of how the passages of the Qur'an are organized, then in, our, in the future, inshallah, other generations will come, other thinkers, scholars, ulama will come, and they'll actually see how the, these two ayat together give us profound insights. And without this analysis, perhaps we didn't see which ayat are looking, or are being completed by which other ayat. You see? Because nufassilun ayat, Allah explains the ayat one by the other, and sometimes there are profound connections and we don't we simply miss them because we didn't see how they were organized. So this, this helps inshallah ta'ala with the Qur'an's tafsir by itself. It'll give it a new dimension inshallah ta'ala and I, I pray that it's a benefit to the ummah. And also one of the things that it really to me highlights is how unbelievably organized the Qur'an is for an oral tradition. Like this is one of its ajaz to me without a doubt, one of the miracles of the Qur'an to me is how its speech is organized. How this was never elaborated historically. And yet the more you do the structural analysis literally of every subject matter, you find some kind of organization that is just, it's beyond words. Like I couldn't sit there and write a paragraph like this if I wanted to. Like, <laughs> and this is in speech. And that too speech that's revealed piecemeal. It's, subhanAllah, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. May Allah give us an appreciation of the of the perfection of his kalam and give us a better and better understanding of it. Barakallahu alaykum assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G.